Coming up, we're answering your questions about Universal on this week's episode of the Dis Unplugged Universal Edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dis Unplugged Universal Edition. I'm your host, Craig, and today I'm joined alongside by my co-host, Rhino. Hello. Hello, Rhino. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic. I'm doing great. I'm very excited to uh, sit here and chat with you today and answer a whole bunch of great questions about Universal Orlando. Uh, I posed this uh, question to our Patreon supporters at patreon.com disunplugged. I asked if they had any questions uh, that they wanted to ask us about Universal for this show, and they gave me a whole lot. And honestly, Sometimes I hate doing these question and answer episodes because there's only so many times we can answer how like what our favorite dining is at Universal. It doesn't really change that often. Um, So it's like it's hard to just keep answering like the same questions over and over. I know not everyone watches everything. And so that's why it's important to continually uh, repeat some of those questions. But uh, this is a a pretty fresh crop of questions with uh, a lot of things that I feel like we haven't answered before or it's been a long time since we've answered. So it should feel a little bit fresh. And of course, uh, you know, we we always pose uh, questions like this to our Patreon supporters all the time. So uh, that would be open to all Patreon tiers. So the, even the lowest ones too. Uh, but also I don't want to discourage anyone who's watching or listening and not a Patreon supporter forever asking questions. That's why I say every week at the end of the show that you probably never make it to. Uh, if you ever have any questions, comments, video suggestions, always drop them in the comments on YouTube or reach out to us in a different way on social media. And I will take those into consideration. So uh, we we will keep doing question and answer episodes as much as you keep asking questions and you don't have to do it behind that little bit of a paywall. You can do it right in YouTube every week. Take advantage of it. It's there for that reason. But before we get to answering those questions, I do want to remind you this is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel. If you like our content, you want to support us, book a vacation through Dreams Unlimited Travel. It costs you no extra money, and you get the support of one of the awesome Dreams Unlimited Travel agents. So head over to dreamsunlimitedtravel.com today for a free, no-obligation quote. Rhino, you ready to answer some questions? I sure am. Okay. Oh, that weird accent was. I'm not really going to question you on it. We're just going to roll with it. So first question comes from Matthew, and this is a bit of a fun one. So we get to uh, spread our wings with this. Uh, Matthew asks, what aspects of theming around Universal do you think are better than the Disney parks? I know it's one that you probably have to think of for a second, Rhino, because I I threw you right into it. But um, I I mean, the obvious answer that I feel like anyone could say having been in there is uh, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Not to say that uh, Disney doesn't have anything that's, that's close to the same level. Like I do believe that when you walk into star Wars galaxy's edge or Pandora, the world of avatar, you do feel transported in the exact same way that you do in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. But because because Avatar is so different from the movie and the movie just looks so fake. Don't 
like yell at me for saying that. I mean, it's it's literally a 3D animated world. It, it doesn't look real. And then with Star Wars, I mean, there's a lot of realism to it, but we still haven't seen Batu in anything Star Wars. So uh, it that doesn't have that same life to it. Whereas when you walk in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, it's literally you feel like you are walking into the movies. I mean, when Diagon Alley opened, the stars were literally all walking down that main stretch and saying, this literally feels exactly like it was on the movie sets, except this is real. You can walk into the shops. It's not just the facades. It's it's that attention to detail and that level of theming that I feel like Disney has come very close, but they still haven't necessarily matched the entire way. And I, I think it even goes beyond that. Like at Islands of Adventure, uh, love or hate whatever's inside the lost continent uh that is some of the best rock work that you will find and some of the best theming i mean even port of entry all of the sounds that you hear the 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 shops are so so themed from the outside uh islands of adventure has a lot of that it's also got a lot of bad too like when you're walking through marvel superhero island and toon lagoon but uh, in some sections of universal when it's when it's at its best it is just as good as theming at at least walt disney world and disneyland if not better and i'm not gonna i'm not going into like Tokyo, because I know everyone's going to say Tokyo Disney Sea is the best themed park in the world. We haven't been there, so I can't really say to that. I, I am sure that will be the official answer one day, but I'm talking specifically Universal Orlando, some of the sections here versus what's at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. I Universal gives them a run for the money, especially with Potter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely I mean, I was going to say Harry Potter and then I was trying to think more. I was like, where are the other like super well themed lands? I mean, we don't have like Super Mario World here yet. But, you know, as far as even remotely looks anything like what the Universal Hollywood one has looked like, I think we're we're going to be in for a treat. But I I'd throw like Seuss Landing in there, too. I feel like that is a pretty well themed area, like from everywhere you look to everything you eat and ingest and like go around and do i feel i feel like there's a pretty it gets pretty in that park you know i feel like well in both parks honestly i'm just trying to i'm just like in my head trying to do like a little walk around the park but i I don't know i just feel like it's one of one where you i do feel like i've stepped in and fully immersed into a seuss area i i get that honestly i know the theming isn't exciting and Hollywood Studios also got rid of it. But I think, you know, just like take trying to recreate the backlots of studios by by bringing, you know, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, it was Streets of America, kind of an amalgamation of a couple. But at Universal Studios Florida, the, you have, you know, New York and then you also have Hollywood and both of those areas. Like when you're in there, you do feel like it's a well done backlot. Like they could literally walk into New York and film something and slightly trick you to an extent. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's been used in the past for that. It was, it was designed with that. So while it's not exciting theming for a lot of people and not the like immerse you into the movies, it is very effective in how it was done. Even with like the layout of the park, like having central park all the way across over by Hollywood, because if you're in central park and 
like you want New York as the backdrop. Well, it can't be just right up against each other. You need a little bit of a depth. And that's why it's kind of set up in that way. And, you know, I'll, I'll even give one more shout out to Springfield, USA. I know yeah. it's it is starting to look a little bit dated in areas. But uh, as a as a Simpsons fan, when I am standing at, you know, Duff Gardens and looking at the facades for all the fast food places uh, and seeing the the donut sign and the bumblebee truck. I, I still I still get that feeling as a Simpsons fan, like I'm in this world. So I think there's a lot of good instances to look at. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't have another one. There's no other place for me. Let's move on to our next question now from Michelle. And Michelle asked, what do you think is the best use of resort guests early entry time? Would your advice vary depending on whether it's for first time visitors or repeat visitors? And this is a loaded question. So I'm going to follow up with a little bit of a context here. Right now, currently, as the time we're recording this and only for kind of like a month, uh, the current attractions are what's standing and, you know, that it can always change. But as a general rule, uh, until April 17th at Universal Studios Florida, the available attractions for early entry are Escape from Gringotts, uh, Minion Mayhem and Ollivanders. And then at Islands of Adventure through April 30th, you have Forbidden Journey, Flight of the Hippogriff, uh, Velocicoaster, Ollivanders, and Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. Don't know why I left off the Hagrids there. So those are your options available for early entry at both parks. Uh, What's the best use of early entry time and does it vary based on it? Uh, I'll jump in again here right away. Obviously, with Hagrid's, if it's opening up on time and you can jump in there for early entry, go ahead and do that because you don't have Express there. And so unless you get very lucky on your timing or for some reason the crowds are lighter, uh, it's always a good strategy to try to hit things, you know, as early as possible. And that that's with like keeping in mind that for early entry, like you have to you have to rope drop early entry as well, too, if you really, really want to take advantage of, uh, you know, the the best strategy for it. So I know it's early entry in itself makes you think like you're getting in there early before rope drop. So it should already have an advantage. But I'm, I'm really talking about for that extra, extra advantage. You want that. But uh, beyond it, it's still it's a complicated question because everything else in there uh, outside of Ollivanders has Express Pass. So if you're staying at one of the the you know, high level hotels, Portofino, Hard Rock or Royal Pacific, you already have unlimited express. So I wouldn't say wasted on Velocicoaster necessarily first thing in the morning or Forbidden Journey or Gringotts. You can use you can use your express pass for that throughout the day. Yeah, you might have a little bit of a longer wait, but um, I, yeah, it's it, it, it all. It, there's a lot of extra questions that you have to ask yourself within it. So I would just literally look at what you want to do and if you have express start like weeding out that and if you don't have express uh then you know obviously look at it and just just decide what you want to do because you know yeah you can you can show up early and wait barely at all for forbidden journey or flight of the hippogriff and you that might be what's good for you and your family but not necessarily the next person so look at the list of what's available what you want to do if you have express and then move forward from there and rhino i'm guessing you have nothing extra to add on there but i do not be sorry <laughs> 
you kind of yeah, said it, it all. it's a tough one i i know that was just kind of a craig answers but uh i i felt like it was a good question because we don't get asked about early entry a lot but we'll move on to the next one this one comes from greg and uh i'm going to change around kind of what Greg said, <laughs> just to make more sense of the question. Uh, with the kids area shut in Universal Studios, Florida, where would you recommend taking a Wii one at this time? And for me, I would say that your best bet is to go over to Islands of Adventure. So that way, at least you have in Seuss Landing, if I ran the zoo and some of the attractions there and then also back in Jurassic Park, you know, you have the uh, you have the entire kids play area there that also has inside of it uh, Pteranodon Flyers, which is an attraction specifically just for kids. So, yeah, I with Universal Studios Florida right now, I would kind of bypass it with younger kids and just focus more on Islands of Adventure. I mean, I would agree with you, too. I don't have children, so but that seems the most logical to me. Yeah. And that also leads into a follow up question by Abby saying, what can kids under 48 inches ride at Universal? We have kids and ride chickens in our family, so we have skipped Universal in the past. Suggestions on kid friendly slash low thrill days. I'm going to lean on Rhino a little bit for the low thrill side because I feel like he's a better judge of character. But what I can do is go through and list everything under 48 inches. So I'm not counting stuff that's for uh, kids or anyone who is 48 inches and above. I'm strictly doing anything that's under 48 inches. So this is uh, if if you are 47 inches or below, you can do any of these attractions starting at Universal Studios Florida. You have Despicable Me Minion Mayhem at 40 inches. E.T. Adventure at 34, Fast and Furious Supercharged at 40, Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts at 42, Men in Black Alien Attack at 42, Race Through New York starring Jimmy Fallon at 40, The Simpsons Ride at 40, Transformers The Ride 3D at 40, and over at Islands of Adventure, you have The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man at 40, Cat in the Hat at 36, Dudley Do-Right's Ripsaw Falls at 44, Flight of the Hippogriff at 36 inches, Jurassic Park River Adventure at 42 inches, High in the Sky Seuss Trolley Train Ride at 36 inches, uh, Popeye and Bluto's Bildred Barges at 42 inches, Pteranodon Flyers, again, that's for children, specifically 36 inches through 56 inches, and then you can be accompanied by an adult, and Skull Island Reign of Kong is 36 inches. And you can always find that information on Universal's website. You know, it's also in the park maps and outside of park attractions, but they they do a great job at breaking down their height requirements and any other ride restrictions on their website. So I highly recommend always going there to check out on that up to date information. But as you could hear from that, there are a lot of rides that are actually okay for kids who are under you know, that 48 inch mark, it's you're really talking about, uh, you know, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, the Incredible Hulk coaster, Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket, Revenge of the Mummy, like your, your more intense experiences are what is actually for uh, the taller people and and thrill seekers. But uh, there's a big long list there of 
stuff that anyone who's under 48 inches can do. But uh, in terms of low thrills, I know I read a lot off Rhino, but what yeah. are the attractions or experiences in general that uh, that pop out to you that are, are low thrills but still worth doing at Universal? I mean, Spider-Man, I think, is 100% worth it. I, I don't know that I would say, like, low thrill like spider-man is exciting but it's it's never i don't feel like it's ever overwhelming you know what yeah. i mean like it's not like i think back like when i was a little kid this ride would have like changed my life because yeah. i was afraid of like roller coasters heights and all of that sort of stuff but if something like this had existed it would have been like just i mean i still think it is like one of the coolest attractions in central florida maybe in the domestic theme parks period so, like, I think that's 100% something worth doing. I, I agree with that, too. And on the same level as Transformers. But to to really even then, like, take that further, something like Skull Island Reign of Kong that has an even uh, lower height requirement at 36 inches, uh, that ride can be terrifying if mm-hmm. you are even uh, slightly uh, afraid of anything on, on top of the fact of having like a bug phobia. Uh, it could be your absolute worst nightmare because it's not yeah. just King Kong swinging around having a good time. So uh, you're the way you posed like Spider-Man in there. It has a little thrill element to it, but it definitely still is more exciting and friendly. But there are things on the list that are for for, uh, you know, that shorter people can do that are kind of terrifying. One that jumped out to me, I would say Men in Black Alien Attack. There's really no thrills in that. It's fun. Uh, Obviously, E.T. Adventure is Mm -hmm. no thrills at all. Unless you, uh, you know, hey, very excited about E.T. saying your name. I was going to say the part when you jump on the roof of the car is pretty exciting. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like, oh, did we do something? Yeah. As it takes you nine years to, <laughs> to slowly go down over the, the car. car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those things that anyone who's done it knows exactly what we're talking about. And if you haven't, you are you're in for a treat. The day that you get to there is there is nothing quite as exciting as that first section of E.T. I think the owl is probably the most exciting, like scariest part. There's a, <laughs> you're like, oh, God, where'd the owl come from? <laughs> I mean, or the green planet before it's revived and brought back to life <laughs> when it's yeah. in its more sad state of affairs. Poor E.T. has its healing touches. Even when it is alive, it's terrifying <laughs> because it, Magna it, has like ate somebody's face. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's, cool. a, that's a very good point. <laughs> um, I hate it. Just to, to give one more, I'll give one more with it. Uh, in say again, uh, Rhino just talked about Seuss Landing for theming, but you know, with kids, you would walk into Seuss Landing and being like, "How in the world is every attraction in here not good for kids of all ages? How is there a height requirement on two of them?" It's because of the way the rides are engineered and such. I'm not going into that long answer. It's it's definitely a problem with Universal that they are more restrictive about their rides than Disney is. And that catches a lot of people off guard. But, you know, it's it doesn't mean that they're not still worth doing if you have anyone in your party who does meet the height requirement to go on with Cat in the Hat and High in the Sky Seuss Trolley Train Ride. Both good rides, but you also have Carousel in there and One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. So you've got a couple in there that don't have height requirements, a couple that do, but they're all very low thrills. 
in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, you are going to be terrified, even if you match the height requirement for uh, River Adventure or, Mm -hmm. as I already mentioned, like Skull Island, Reign of Kong. uh, You're going to be you're going to be a little bit on the scared side. But there's there's a lot there's a lot of low thrills, really, at Universal. I just I, I think the problem isn't the thrills necessarily. It's the it's the level that of accommodation that is where Universal kind of gets dinged at a little bit. Just in my opinion. I agree. Moving on to our next question, and I just kind of hinted at this right away, but Bart asked, what are some of the things that Universal is getting away with that would never be tolerated by Disney fans? And obviously, I mean, uh, accommodating people on attractions is the number one we've we've really only seen it at disney in basically two instances with with flight of passage and then with tron and Mm -hmm. in both of those occasions uh it has dominated so much of the conversation around those two attractions when they open because people were actually being turned away from the first time at something with disney and at universal it's just it's an everyday occurrence it's it's hard because I am in the camp where like I I don't know it's tough it's tough like not everything can be for everybody otherwise we don't really get some of the more like unique sort of stuff you know um you don't get a Velocicoaster or something like that so it is it's a tough balance but I do agree that Universal is definitely uh, faces challenges in terms of like they have a lot more restrictive. Um, There's a lot more like, you know, if you're taller or larger or, you know, whatnot, um, you know, stuff like that, in addition to also guests with disabilities and things like that. There's there's more there's more obstacles to weave around than I would say there are at Disney traditionally. Yeah, I I think it even goes beyond that, too. I think there's uh, uh, Sometimes Disney fans, us included, can be snobs about how attractions are developed. And, you know, there was a lot of people insulting Velocicoaster for being a primarily outdoor roller coaster that doesn't try to hide the fact that it is a roller coaster in that way. But uh, it's also one of the best roller coasters in Orlando. So I'll accept the fact that you can see all of the, the supports and such and that, that they're not hidden in a way like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. That's also all primarily outside. But, you know, it, it looks like you're riding through a mountain, not on that. And uh, so much of Disney is built indoors. But, you know, even Tron, Tron, you see the supports outside. So I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's such a big deal. If if Disney can create a roller coaster that's all outdoors that is themed well or exciting enough like a Velocicoaster, I think I think fans would actually for the most part your average fan would get behind it. You would still have some of the ones who would say that's not Disney. And I you know, I see that to an extent. Like, you know, Primeval World was a good example of it. It was a crap roller coaster and the theming also even if it fit for the land was not good enough to to take away for what it was. I mean, I feel the same way about Goofy Sky School out in uh, Disney California Adventure too. There are there are times where it, it goes wrong in that way, but I think uh, I think sometimes Universal's uh, the easier stance on theming is something that uh, definitely definitely Disney fans would not tolerate it. But 
I it's also there's so many varying degrees of Disney fans where you have the ones who are Disney can do no wrong. And then the ones who are, you know, I love Disney. It's my primary place, but I would rather, you know, I, I, I'm willing to go other places, but I would rather go there. And then you have the ones who now I feel like we love Disney. We love Universal. We just love theme parks in general. And then it, it just keeps going down from there with Universal. I don't see the same uh, fan craze as much. So yeah feel like a lot of things kind of uh, get get, you know, pushed under and I don't want to say pushed under the rug, but uh, Universal fans aren't going to necessarily be up in arms as much as Disney fans would be with that. But do you have any other things that Universal gets away with that Disney fans wouldn't tolerate? Um, I mean, I feel like I, I mean, say I feel it. like are we saying it in a negative way? It could be a positive way, too. It like, could, I, I think it could go both ways. Yeah, I think about like in the horror makeup show, like how they're kind of like, yeah, we're going to be a little more edgy. They're edgier. I think they 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 can get away with being a little edgier with their crowd of people and less like family, ding dong, fairy tale, blah, blah, blah. Like they're much more like, you know, this is the real world. Like, and we are talking about movies and how we make movies. And that includes movies of all genres, types and sizes. And I think that I appreciate that. So it feels a little more um, like it's, you're still in a theme park environment, but it's still, it feels a little more like my speed, I guess, you know, you know, yeah. like I, not every, not, I'm not, I'm not knocking Disney for that fairy tale fun, you know, attitude. And it's a nice escapism and stuff like that. Universal's escapism is like a different, can be a different type of escapism. And I feel like they, they make it kind of clear that it's like, it's not just for people. Like, I feel like the argument, a lot of you, you talked about Disney fan craze is the thing where it's like, mom dad two kids whatever and you're like not all families look the same not everybody has children not everybody has this stuff and i feel like universal can get away with a lot of stuff where it's not aimed at kids i mean look at halloween horror nights Mm -hmm. so that's that's not for people like i'd argue that's not really aimed at anyone under the age of 18 or 16 at the very least and um and i feel like they can get away with that and i love that but disney could never could never do anything that's even remotely scary for halloween i feel like yeah, I feel like that one should have been smacking us over the head right from the start of this. Uh, but uh, I, I, there are Disney fans out there who do want to see something scarier used with villains in that way. But yeah. I, I, I do agree though. There are the, there is that group of fans that would want that. But I think the uh, the greater response would be, I can't believe Disney's doing this. I can't believe it. it what happened to families in that way? So uh, yep. that's a. That's a great example, Rhino. Great job. Uh, Next question from Adam says, uh, at Universal's Epic Universe, is there a minimum number of rides you would like to see in the park? Magic Kingdom and Disneyland have so many rides in each park compared to the others near them. Would you be disappointed if they only put like eight or nine rides in the park? Uh, Just to give clarity, I do believe there's somewhere around 11 or 12 rides going into the park and obviously there will be more than just those rides in terms of entertainment uh but that is the reality of what epic universe will probably look like so rhino do you feel like there's a minimum number of rides you'd like to see or with that number in mind are you okay with that number do you think it's not enough um it's tough it's 
It's it, it, it's that, like I mean I, I think I read this like recently where it, I think Disneyland Park has is the park with the most attractions in the domestic like in the theme yeah. parks and domestically. I I don't know if that just was for Disney or if that was for like all theme parks or what the deal is with that. But it's it's funny because like when I go out there, it is like wow, there's so much to do and I can go from place to place to place. But but then I go to like California Adventure, which has significantly less attractions, specifically even those aimed at um, people, maybe not without kids or something like that. Like and like I feel that difference, you know, and when I come back here, when I'm in a park that isn't Magic Kingdom, I do feel it. Like when I'm at Epcot, I'm like, there's no attractions here. Like I I, Guardians is there. You've got your couple of things. But to me, it's like this isn't a park you come in to do the rides in. So. Um, yeah, I think I would be disappointed a little bit if there was like, I don't have a number though. I, cause I think for me, it's not necessarily about a physical, like when we say attraction, you know, referencing specifically a ride, because if there's enough to do that isn't a ride, I'm, I'm a pretty happy camper, I think. Um, so it's kind of like, like, let's say there is a monsters area. Let's say, you know, when Nintendo does open, there's only two attractions there, you know, even, even though I think there's like a Yoshi one. So it would be like three rides, but like, I think to myself, like, okay, like every land isn't going to be for me. So like, you know, you're kind of hoping that there's, there's more to it, but I think like Diagon Alley only really only has one ride, right? One ride. Yep. And then it's got, you know, shows and other things that go on about it. And sometimes I think to myself like, Oh, there should be like a second one here. But when I'm in Hogsmeade, you know, before we got the addition of Hagrid's magical, um, you know, the, the motorbikes ride, I, I felt like, you know, that, that area also only had like one ride I would really do because the other one was, you know, a kitty coaster that you could do that you, you can do, but you know, um, so I, I think it I think it's like I can't just answer it yes or no. I feel like it it kind of depends for me on the theming and what the other activities are that are there to do. Like is there are there good re- like good fun places to go and eat, so that's going to keep me busy, you know, take pictures, like are there character meet and greets, things like that. All that factors into it for me. It's not just about like oh the ride, this ride and this ride. Yeah. And it's so it is going to be a little bit more complicated when Epic Universe opens up because uh, we know there's going to be going to be a great demand for that park. But uh, a lot of questions like, will they embrace Express Pass right away is going to be on the table. I, I mean, I feel like they have to. Uh, maybe it's only Express Pass will only work with the the main the big hotel on property. Uh, I'm. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I haven't been following enough rumors uh, to point one way or another on it. But uh, let's say that they make the bold choice to say when Epic Universe opens up, no Express Pass. Everyone is absolutely equal Uh, right at Super Nintendo World. You're going to have a lot of problems because you have not just what has already been covered before with uh, with Mario Kart and the Super Mario section. 
you know, uh, plus Yoshi, because we'll have that where Hollywood mm -hmm. doesn't. So people are going to want to experience that. You're going to have power bands and people running around wanting to use them uh, just like uh, out in out in Hollywood and just like the wands inside the Wizarding World. So you have that added into it, too, uh, plus the food, which if it's similar to the food in Hollywood that people are losing their minds about, you're talking about a lot of time dedicated to eating in there, uh, not necessarily shopping as much, but then as onto it too, a Donkey Kong roller coaster into the mix right there. I'm looking at Super Nintendo World, a fully encapsulated Super Nintendo World in Epic Universe that is easily, if there's no express and you are not like perfect at how you're going to get it done, you're talking about over a half a day to it. God yeah. forbid, in even maybe even a full day. <laughs> really, if you want to soak in everything, because I didn't even mention that the meet and greets with it, meeting Mario and Luigi and Princess Peach and hopefully Donkey Kong. I mean, there's a lot right there with uh, with Universal Monsters. You know, you have uh, a handful of attractions, couple attractions, plus a very themed restaurant, a very themed section, hopefully character meet and greets there. We're talking a lot. Obviously, the Wizarding World always has so many details. You can get lost in any Wizarding World of Harry Potter for a half a day easily. How to Train Your Dragon, I think, is going to be a big draw. Plus, the roller coaster that isn't is in the hub area, isn't part of any of the lands, and just just the lushness of the entire park of how it's supposed to actually look and play out. I'm I'm thinking that you know this is it, it's going to even though the ride count might not be high. Because of the demand for the park and how unique the different experiences are that they're creating for it, I think that the quality, hopefully, as long as it all lives up to it, the quality of the experience will always trump the the quantity that that park yeah, will have. I, I think that's ultimately the main thing is that if, if, if quality is there, quantity is sort of almost irrelevant for me. I think that's the best way to feel about it, Rhino. Okay, um, I'm going to pop through a couple of these other questions here real quick. This one comes from Netsy saying, how bad is the food compared to Disney? And I feel like we talk about this every now and then. I don't necessarily know that the food is bad compared to Disney. At Disney, you're going to find restaurants that aren't really that great. At Universal, you're not going to find restaurants. You're going to find restaurants that aren't that great. Uh kind of look at the menu, get an idea for it. If it looks like a standard fast food restaurant with burgers and fries and doesn't appear that exciting, it's probably not going to be very exciting. And yeah. use that as a good rule of thumb. But I mean, it's I feel like it's been a long time since we've been disappointed by any table service restaurants there, too. So uh, maybe it's not going to have the same allure to you as uh, people at Disney going to eat at some of the table service restaurants. But um, I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily call it bad. I say sometimes Universal is better than Disney, but sometimes they're not. I mean, Universal still to me is lacking uh, some fine dining experiences compared to Disney. But that's, you know, that's not for everyone, especially people who want to keep go, go, going on their vacation or they're OK. They prefer the vibe of a casual atmosphere because they don't want to dress up and go through all that while while they're, you know, also balancing in theme parks. So. Uh, yeah, for me, I wouldn't say bad compared to Disney. No, I honestly, I'd say it's like just the kind of the similar same sort of thing. Like 
some places you're like, oh, no, that's not good, but it's where you're going to go. And then other places you're like, oh, this is surprisingly good. You know, um, I, I, I was going to say, like, you know, for me, the rule of thumb is kind of like. If it was made, if it's part of the park after 2007, then that was the place that I'd probably eat more at than others. But then I was thinking that, like, well, they redid the Jurassic Park, one of the Jurassic Park quick service areas that we liked. At least I did like. I've been to like a couple of times. That was good. And then, um, you know, and then uh, the Green Eggs and Ham is Mm -hmm. like also open and again with like new menu and you're like, okay. And so, you know, I I think you're right. I think it's just about kind of looking at the menu. And my, my, my thing with the theme park is always like the more themed it is, the more likely I'm like, okay, I'll try that. Like, um, you know, if you're going for just like the regular hamburger, I don't think those are good at either parks. I don't think they're good at Disney or universal to be honest, a hundred percent honest with you. And also, listen, sometimes you're going to see something on the menu that's like, how? well, that does sound different, whether it's, you know, ramen or even Chinese food. And there's also a chance that your food will still taste like cigarettes. Uh, so she tastes even, like cigarettes. If it, even if it seems like it's going to be uh, different and like, OK, that's unique. <laughs> so unique means it's going to be good. That is also not the case. Like. But you also have to look at the other. If it's if it's quick service pasta, while it's not bad and is very necessary, I feel like sometimes those restaurants just they're not they're not as exciting. You're not getting uh, get, high get class cuisine. Get the crepes, cuisine, but get what? the crepes. Just go get the yeah. crepes. Crepes are good. It's never a bad choice if you're over at Universal Studios Florida, in the Central Park crepes. Didn't they so, have a new uh, an, a new crepe the last time we walked by? Too, we were like, that seems weird. We should try it. Yeah, I can't remember. It, it was one for Mardi Gras, but so I, I don't think it'll be around long enough yeah. like, to really like recommend, like, go, go get that. Maybe we'll get lucky and try it before it leaves too. But yeah, uh, always changing up a little bit, something with the crepes too. So that way it keeps it fresh. But uh, this one comes from Rachel, best sit down dinner at Universal. I, I know we can keep going on and on and on with it, but Rachel pointed out two specific things that uh, they were toying around, and that is Cowfish and Vivo. So if you had to choose one between Cowfish or Vivo Rhino, which would you choose? Mm, I used to say Cowfish, but I really feel like in the last couple of years, Cowfish, like every time I've been there, it like the menu keeps getting more and more pared down. So it's not as like creative as it, once was so i i i haven't been i haven't been to cowfish in a couple of years so um but there is a sandwich on the menu that i love that's like a sushi roll but as a sandwich and i it's like one of my favorite things at universal but um i think you probably get a little more bang for your buck at vivo which is i feel like pretty decent but i also i haven't eaten there in a while either but i would say if you're like looking at like you got a big family going and a lot of different types of eaters. Probably Vivo is your safest pet. Yeah. I honestly would agree, too. I've had a bunch of great meals at Vivo, and I'm the type of person that you regularly regularly hear me say, avoid Italian food if you're going to theme parks, not yep. just at quick service, but any, because Italian is one of those things that I feel like you can cook pretty well at home. Uh, or, you know, there's there's some really good small mom and pop Italian restaurants in every city around the world. So Italian something you can regularly find. With Vivo, uh, the pricing on it is still 
pretty good for a you know city walk but theme park restaurant with italian food and on top of that too i the majority of the pasta is house made which always is going to add to the freshness the flavors are typically there portion sizes are good i like the atmosphere inside mm-hmm. there i feel like it can be perfect for either a family dinner or for a date night it works both in in those ways i i really i never have a bad time anytime i'm at vivo and i i can't say the same thing about cowfish it's either too loud and noisy or the food takes too long or it's just not as good so for me if i had to choose between the two i'm going downstairs to vivo versus i would cowfish I would say that cowfish has great drinks though. So if you're looking to, like looking to try, I, I would recommend it for the drinks. If you were going to go and try, like you're looking from their, their drinks are a little more creative and I feel like they still kind of have that. Like they pack a little, they, they don't, they don't feel cheap for what you're paying for. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely is a bar stop. I, I would yes, agree with yeah. you with cowfish more. And maybe like bar stop and an appetizer. Something along those lines, but it's been when I sit down for the full meals. Yeah, even, no, that it even forever. if it's a slow day, it feels like it's just agonizing with yeah with it, and it's it's one of those things. It's it's a constant. It has never changed. That it's just been an been an issue since that restaurant has opened up. But uh, that's our opinion on there. And going on the same three same theme, not three. Zachary asked, looking at going next February, Hard Rock or Pe- Portofino Bay. Let's <laughs> got it, Pedofino Bay. I don't even know <laughs> what that means. <laughs> I um, feels I tell you what it sounds like. It fe- means. Well, it sounded close to something else, but it was uh, I need to slow down here. We always have time. Uh, Hard Rock or Portofino Bay, which do you consider a better hotel? And I'll just say, first off, Hard Rock is obviously closer to Universal City Walk, as well as Universal Studios, Florida, as well as Islands of Adventure. Portofino Bay is further away. Uh, I don't necessarily love the theming at Hard Rock as much as I love the theming at Portofino Bay, which I feel like is is comfortable, uh, just uh, impressive with the details, is romantic, but at the same time accessible to anyone. So it's like, would you rather be in a classier hotel further away or a great hotel closer by, but maybe not necessarily the theme that it, it really grabs you as much. And for me, I'd rather do Portofino than Hard Rock, but that's just me. I I I I wouldn't have always answered that way. I'd say get get me closer at Hard Rock. Love the restaurants there and I'm okay with the theming. Uh, but I don't know. As I when I when we do something where we're spending more time in a hotel room, I would rather that the hotel room feels more comfortable to me. And Portofino wins on that front. So I would say Portofino, but if you had to book one tomorrow, Rhino, which one are you booking? Um, I, honestly, I actually don't know. I've never, I've never stayed in the Hard Rock, so I, based on that, I would stay at the Hard Rock because I've stayed at Portofino and it was fine. I don't like things that are like super duper fancy, but so like I, I like Portofino. I just, um. I don't even know if it's true to me mentally. It feels like I'm closer to more dining options at hard rock. So that's why I'm like, Oh, I'd try that. But it's out of sheer curiosity. Cause I, like I said, I've never stayed there. So. Oh, great advice, Rhino. I know. I'm sorry. I'm ter- I, I can't help you. Can't help you. 
Portofino's beautiful. I, I can say that. I'm not disagreeing with your thing. Portofino's beautiful. It's got multiple pools. It's go- you got a, lo- a lovely boat ride that takes you over there. You get the express pass at both resorts. But, you know, I uh, I don't know. I If I was booking one tomorrow, for me, it would be Hard Rock because I'm curious. No. Never been to the kitchen. You've never been to the kitchen or you've nope. been to the kitchen? Never been. Yeah, we do need to go back to the kitchen eventually and redo it. I've just uh it's it's been too long. It's it's not again, I don't mind hard rock. It's just I, I'm thinking about where I am at this point in my life. And five years ago, my answer would have been for sure hard rock. I would have said actually, I'm so tired of Portofino. Get me away from Portofino. But they you know, we ebb and flow as people. That's the great journey of life. Uh, moving on, Pete says, not our Pete, a different Pete, says, Velocicoaster recently began to accept Express Pass. Yes, you did. Is it permanent or seasonal? And when do you foresee Hagrid's going to Express Pass? Uh, it, it's permanent. I mean, they're not they're not going to pull it away now. So yeah. it, it's part of it. And for Hagrid's, I honestly don't have an answer. I mean, for, for years, I would have said that any of the Harry Potter attractions were never going to ever move into an express pass territory. And then obviously they did. And uh, that was after years of people being able to experience those rides. And finally the demand allowed them to do that. And with Hagrid's, the line's always just so freaking long and uh, downtimes are still such a big thing with that ride that it, that impacts the weight too. So, I, it could be years before Hagrid's is in Express Pass territory, but I'm happy that Velocicoaster moved to it. And I'm I, I haven't had a uh, time to take advantage of an after four ride on Velocicoaster with our annual pass, but I plan on doing it soon because you know there's nothing quite like Velocicoaster at night, especially. So if I can have Express and ride it at night, win win. I still don't think I've done it at night. Oh, I think, it, I think it rained when I went over to do it. So it was like, oh, oh nope, not doing it in the rain. <laughs> well, we will add that to our list because as much as that ride changed your life when we rode it over and over again during the day, just wait till you do it at night. It, it, it increases the fear factor by 10 and you will find out fear is a factor for you. Fear. Yeah. It is. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. No, no, okay. That's that's fine. Fine. I, it's just because that attraction doesn't exist anymore doesn't mean we have to forget about it, Rhino. That's the honest truth. Okay. Moving on. Uh, last couple questions here. A simple one from Amy said, we're going to our first universal vacation in mid-June, staying at Dockside, so no express pass. We have a five-day three-park three park to park tickets can we get most things done without purchasing express pass uh over the course of five days with a park to park ticket uh i i can't imagine that you won't get everything done that you want plus extra repeats i know june uh definitely late june is going to be busy anytime after memorial day is going to be busy but the deeper you get into summer it's going to get a little bit crazier i'm not saying mid-june will be a walk in the park it still will be busy but five days that's a lot that's a lot of days. You might have everything done after two to three days. So uh, <laughs> I, I think you'll be fine. Do you think she'll be fine, Amy? Oh, 100%. I almost called you Amy. Amy, yeah, I'll be good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, can I still be Garth? Um, yeah, I I think she's going to be – I think she's going to be more than okay. with with. Wait, she said it with Express, right? 
No, not express. Staying at Dockside, so no express. But oh, no, I'm sorry. Days, I, five I, I don't days know to cover what everything. I heard. Um, yeah. I still got Portofino on the brain. But yeah, five days, 100%. I think you're good. I think you're good. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay, final question then comes from Beck X. Uh, uh, oh, I was like, Beck the musician? <laughs> no, I feel like Beck could be doing anything else right now rather than watching or listening to this show. And I'm going to stand by that. But Beck X said, does this cover the Hollywood Park 2, this question and answer? Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, that's the question. No. Uh, the question in there was, is it a one-day park? My son will love Super Mario World and will be nine by then, So, but not so sure about big coasters. Thanks. Hey, the great part about Universal Studios Hollywood is uh, there aren't any big coasters. I mean, you have Revenge of the Mummy, but even then, it's mm. not it's not a big coaster. I mean, a, equivalent to you know, it, it's got the launch in there, but it's not it's not super super crazy in that way. And then beyond that, yeah, you have Super Super Nintendo World that you have a lot there for it. I don't know if you ever come to uh, Universal Orlando, but you also have a lot of replica attractions from, you know, Transformers to Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey uh, to Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem. And so if you if you come here regularly and you're going to Hollywood, if we're talking about only the things that Hollywood has, even with Super Nintendo World with it, if you're... If you're smart or you do like a VIP tour or a front of the line pass, you're still not going to have problems doing it all in one day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to do the backlot tour and you get all the attractions during the backlot tour that are all part of it. Uh, you have Super Nintendo World. Revenge of the Mummy is different. So definitely do theirs unless you don't like coasters and skip it. Uh, Jurassic World attraction that's there. You know, it's different from our river adventure. It's got the big drop, so if that's terrifying to use, you'd skip that. But if scary animatronics, yeah, and and scary animatronics, but uh, still unique, so do that. Can't miss Waterworld, so Waterworld has to be a part of it. Secret Life of Pets, you have to add that into the mix, and then uh, you know that's really spend some time in Super Silly Funland outside of Minion Mayhem. I mean, I I feel like I feel like you can get that park still done all in one day. And that's even with spending a lot of time in super Nintendo world. Granted you and I have not done that yet. We still haven't been there. Uh, but everyone I talk to all my friends that have gone, they've all said, you know, it's, you're going to spend a good part of the morning in super Nintendo world. Most likely, especially if you buy one of the early tickets. Uh, and then after that, you have the rest of the park for yourself and, uh, time to go and do all of that. So I'm going to say it, you might have to sacrifice and and do like a VIP tour with it if you're really on the fence and you think you want to do everything and then also do the stuff that Universal Orlando has too, like Forbidden Journey and all the ones I've mentioned. But I, I think it's still possible. Anything's possible. Well, the VIP tour out there is incredibly affordable too. I mean, comparatively and like for how much the ticket is versus like Express and then that including Express, but also like the VIP tour, I believe you get like lunch and everything like that. So it's like, factored factoring in everything it's kind of one of those things where it's really not that much more than what you'd probably end up having to like go through the process of paying 
Rhino, I have to interrupt you because my mind's on the VIP tour, as you mentioned that. Not a, a lot uh, not a lot extra, necessarily, in the grand scheme of things uh, with what you get from it. And so the VIP experience starts from $369 right now, and that might seem like a lot of money considering a normal ticket starts at $109. But with the VIP experience right now, you get your one-day park admission and unlimited express pass to each ride, attraction, and seated show. Uh, you get the guided tour, including the back lot. So they do show you extra things on the back lot besides just the uh, just the stuff you would normally get from the tour. So you have that uh, light snacks and refreshments, the VIP meal, as you mentioned, and also complimentary valet parking as well, too, which uh, that's that definitely adds on there. So when you do consider your admission is included in their valet, which, I mean, only really maybe one person from your group, you would take advantage of that. But throw in the lunch, uh, the little extra insight during the the tour round, and then having all of that uh, express, unlimited express for the rest of the day to just do things over and over again. The VIP tour is actually, a, that's, a, that's a deal. And for if you just want express, uh, that will start you at uh, $199. And keep in mind, express right now is not working for Mario Kart inside Super Nintendo World. So you will have express a uh, one-time express access to each ride, attraction, and seated show, uh, but you will not have access into uh, Mario Kart. You will have to just wait in line like everyone else for there. But a perk of that is if you have Express or VIP Tour and Universal is currently only opening Super Nintendo World to you know reservations through the virtual line in the app, uh, if you have Express or VIP Tours, you just get to walk in freely and you don't have to make a reservation. You only get to do it one time per day with there. But you get to do that. But I, I don't know how long reservations uh, during busier times are going to be needed for Super Nintendo World. It could be a thing through spring break in the summer. Might not be a big deal in the future. Uh, kind of like, you know, the Wizarding World when it first opened up here. We would do queue ticketing and people would have to wait in line to come back. And, it, you know, it, it happened for a while during busier times for Diagon Alley. It, it like barely happened. I think it happened on the first day that it opened up and then they never had to worry about it again. But. No, I, I didn't. I wasn't necessarily running to Diagon Alley every morning to see if they had a, a ticketing to get into yeah. into Diagon Alley every time because uh, I I was I you were there too on day one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we were both there on day one and waited and waited and waited and waited for that grand opening, and after that you're just like, okay, I'm good for a while. But it was a, it was remarkable. Great time, yeah. yeah. I love it, but when you wait for something for like five hours, you're like, oh, okay, never again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I, I don't remember if I talked about it in a show or I even told you, but it's funny. Someone sent me a message uh, that they were looking through their Diagon Alley opening day photos all these years later, and they p- spotted me right in the middle. Like it's hard; it's not hard to find me because I was like tall guy wearing a bright red shirt standing above everyone else in a crowd. But I'm like, that's, that's so wild. I've never seen any pictures with me in there from that day, but I have that one where I just stand standing in the middle of Diagon Alley looking angry. Like always the official Twitter posted a picture of me with my friends who I went with. So 
I was like, you still have that? that? Yeah. Um, it's still online. Like you can still find it. Um, we're all sitting at a table. It, we're all sitting. We're all sat at a table inside of um, the Leaky Cauldron. Okay. Yeah. You need to. You need to send it to me so I can include it in here. Oh God! I don't know where it. What year did it open? Uh, Twenty fourteen. Believe it or not. Okay. All right. It's, we're almost. We are rapidly approaching the tenth anniversary of Diagon Alley, which makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, that's nauseating. Yeah, can't hey, handle that. Hey, don't don't worry though, Rano. You can do that after we're done with this because 2014. Uh, when? Question. Uh, w- when? June. June. I. It was in June though. Yeah. It, definitely in June. Um. June Bloom. Diagon Alley. This is how the sausage is made here. Grand opening. Because I, I, I feel like the media event was in. Oh my God, I was wrong. July. The media event was in June. July. The grand opening was July eighth. July fourteen. Okay. Wow. Ugh. Right after the Fourth of July. Gosh, already had only British holiday, from what I hear. Already hadn't even lived with me for a month yet. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. That's wild good. stuff. How your life has changed, buddy. Oh, yeah. Here's all the pictures of me when I went for my first preview. Very cool. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, we're out of questions. So there's more. And maybe we'll do another one of these sooner with the rest of our Patreon questions. Again, uh, your chance, if you're watching or listening to this and you have questions, too, and you don't want to sign up for our Patreon, go to YouTube and leave them in the comments. And that way we can we can answer them the next time around that we do this. But thank you to everyone who took the time to submit a question. And I hope you enjoyed our answers. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Dis Unplugged Universal Edition. Rhino, thanks for answering these questions with me. Oh, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen or watch this. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, again, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and leave those comments, questions, and video suggestions in the comments section. And if you are listening to this, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review when possible. If you want to support us more, book a vacation through Dreams Unlimited Travel. Get a free no-obligation quote today at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Dis Unplugged Universal Edition. We'll see you again real soon with another episode. But until then, remember, we still haven't changed the name. Bye.